0: Welcome to the Hills College Podcast. Our
1: goal here is to create an atmosphere where no matter where you are or what you believe, you can find a place to belong and call home. In this podcast, we will have open and honest conversations that point to what is biblically right and true. We believe the best days are in front of you, and through this podcast,
0: we hope that you find freedom, hope, and joy. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Hills College Podcast. This is Chelsea, and I'm super excited for today's episode. At Cascade Hills, we spend our January talking about a lot of our foundations, and I love that we take time in the beginning of the year to focus on that and make sure that we're standing on the right foundation. Today I'm joined with two amazing people, Pastor Ken and Pastor Keith.
1: Hello, how are you? How's
2: it going?
0: And um, we're just going to sit here and talk about money. We're going to talk about how society looks at it, how we should look at it, and um, just an opportunity where we just ask questions and have them answered by people who have had experience with it, one, and who have studied it. So thank you guys for joining Um, me today. Thank you. Both of you guys have degrees in finance as well as ministry. Well,
1: you know, it was so funny. I'll I'll tell you, it was interesting because I was going to Auburn, getting my degree in finance when I was called into ministry. And I remember sitting down with a pastor friend of mine saying, should I just go into ministry? And he said, no, I want you to continue your degree and then go get your master's in you know, ministry, And it was the greatest piece of advice because I've been able to use that in ministry. And people always say, how do you use finance in ministry? Well, when you create budgets and when you are looking at topics like money,
2: hopefully it'll help you use that a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and since our target audience here is college students, I think it's worth saying that if you're in school, even if you feel like, well, I don't know how applicable this is gonna to be to... To my real life later stick with it yeah because you learn how to think that's right you learn how to piece your life together and even though you may have never used your finance degree in a finance job the skills and the critical thinking that you learned in that helps you every day and and you know what's so interesting about that Ken is
1: I think it gives you a plan yes you say hey I've got a plan You've heard it said so many times, if you don't have a plan, you're going to hit it all the time. Mm -hmm. you got to have a plan. And it's the same thing with money. Are you planning what you're going to do? Because for most of us, if we don't have a plan with money, we're going to end up at Starbucks and Target and other places. Mm -hmm. And before we know it, we're like, where did our money go? Just because we don't have a plan.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of the quote from Dave Ramsey that we were talking about earlier. Um, It was, um, if you don't plan for your money, then you are looking around wondering where your money went versus telling your money where to go. And that's something that changed my life because I spent a lot of my time going around where did my money go? I just got paid. (laughs) And then when I started budgeting, I was able to realize like I can tell my, I'm telling my money like you're paying this it's paying that. And then I have more of a leeway of like where my, where my remainder of the money goes. Like if I am saving that or investing that and that's definitely helped me with my money journey. (laughs) I feel like money is such a hard topic to talk about and um even today like I was talking to one of my friends about like tithing and why like 10% of my my checks go to tithing and they're like that's I don't understand why you do that it's just a really hard conversation to have and I think like a lot of people have different outlooks on on money in general as well as like tithing to the church and all that and so um why do you believe talking about money in general is a hard topic?
2: Well, it's not hard for Keith and me because for a couple of reasons. First, we have a proper perspective on money. Mm -hmm. It is not a measure of your worth as a human. And it may not even be a measure of how hard you work. That's right. Some people just fall into a situation where they make lots of money and they don't do a lot to get it. And that's fine. That's their life. Other people work very hard and still don't have much to to, to show for it because they just don't make much money doing it. So it may not even be a measure of how hard you work. And then second, money reveals your heart. And you talk about this conversation with your your friend, you are revealing your heart, Mm -hmm. okay? My money belongs to God, I'm thankful to God, I live a life of gratitude. And this person that you're talking to, they can't say those things. Mm. So money reveals your heart, and that is horrifying to most people. So they do not want to talk about it. And I think that's a reason that people are so reluctant to talk about money. Pastor Ken, what do you think
1: about this? I think at the root of human nature, we are selfish. Yes. And we want our stuff, and we want to hold on to it. And God's way is totally opposite. He wants us to have our hands open being willing to give. And what I've learned through my years in ministry is when I have my hands open, that's when God can fill it even more. Yeah, you're right. And he keeps throwing out those blessings. And I think one of the things, you know, another reason why I think people say that is I think, you know, that's their God. I hate Mm. to say it. Money is their God. Money is what they're thinking about. So many college students I hear today saying, hey, what career are you going to go into? They'll tell me a career, and it's based on money. Yeah. Instead of, what is God calling you to do? Where are your talents? How can you use those talents? Because I'm going to tell you something I learned a long time ago, and this may be getting off topic, but if you're not fulfilling your God-giving ability, you're going to be miserable no
2: matter how much money you have.
0: Yeah, I love that.
2: Right. Well, and to your point that, this is their God. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Mm -hmm. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Yeah.
0: I love that. We were talking in our previous podcast about how um, society paints money. And we were talking about how if we are unable to, you know, budget and pay our bills and tell our money where it's going to go, it's really hard for us to prioritize tithing Mm -hmm. and honoring God. And um, I think a lot of us our age are experiencing that. where like, in our minds, tithing is either giving my 10% to the Lord or possibly paying my phone bill. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really hard for us to like prioritize and be like, you know, I want to honor God because a lot of people do want to honor God, but they also need to pay some of their bills that they have. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about how, That's a struggle for us. But I wanted to ask, first and foremost, do you believe having more money creates more problems?
2: Well, the short answer is yes. If anything, it reveals what's already there. Money amplifies you as a person. If you are a generous, caring person, you become more generous or you have greater opportunities for generosity as you have more money. But if you're already a jerk, then when you get more money, then your jerkedness intensifies.
0: <laughs> I like and, that. And, and,
2: and, and I do meet, and I know many people who have lots of money who are very unhappy people. Yeah. Yet I know people with very meager means who are very happy people. So money does not make you happy. I think if you have more money and you're a happy person, You have the opportunities for even more happiness because it just amplifies you as a person. Yeah,
1: I I like that. And I've heard it said that money is amoral. That means it's not good or bad. It's what you choose to do with it. Like, for instance, a brick is amoral. It's not good or bad. You can use it to build something grand, or you could use it to break something. And money's the same way it reveals your heart. And I love what uh, Pastor Ken said about revealing your heart because it is, it's more about the person than the money itself.
0: Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people my age talk about is debt. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think a lot of us either inadvertently get ourselves in debt or, um, we happily get ourselves in debt because it's an easier solution than paying for something up front. And, um, i looked up some stats on the three biggest things that americans today are in debt and the top three was student loan debt Mm -hmm. mortgage debt Mm -hmm. and auto loans and i think some people our age are dallying into the mortgage but i think the top two that come to mind when it comes to um someone in our generation right now is um student loans which uh, i think affects a lot of people and auto loans Mm -hmm. and for those who are who are currently in our age and they're, you know, trying to mature and start looking for a house, I think we should also talk a little bit about mortgage debt. But um, the top one is student loans. And here are some stats as of October 26 of 2022. The outside outstanding federal loan balance is $1.617 trillion and accounts for 92.7 of all student loan debt. 42.8 borrowers have federal student loan debt and the average public student borrows $32,880 to get a bachelor's degree. Then auto loans, um, which is another important thing I think for our age right now, um, $1.2 trillion are behind on their mortgage and student loans, and almost 3.5% are behind on their payments for their auto loans. And this one kind of blew my mind too. Um, the average monthly car payment today is around $700 a month. And lastly, the mortgage, um, there are some stats as of June of 2022, um, $11.3 tr- trillion are in mortgage debt. The current rate is at 6%, and on average, it takes about 30 years to pay off a mortgage. Mm. And I just want to talk about, like, debt is something that we all um, have had some experience with, I'm sure, um, whether it be to, like, your family members or to an actual institution. But um, one question that I've always had is, what does the Bible say about debt, and how should we treat it?
2: Well, the Bible says lots of things about debt. Uh, Proverbs 22 says, uh, Do not be one who shakes hands and pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. And uh, it also says in that same uh, uh, proverb 22, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. Mm -hmm. Psalm 37 the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Uh, Proverbs 11. He who puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer, but he who refuses to shake hands and pledge is safe. So, in other words, if you don't borrow money, or if you don't uh, guarantee a loan for somebody else, then 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 certainly that uh, then then you're safe. Yeah.
1: And, and it gets back to the question that you ask as far as, you know, the debt. There are times in our life that you will take on debt. I know there are people out there that say you should never have debt. Well, there's times that you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thing I would encourage you to do is be wise in the debt you're taking on. Mm-hmm. A $700 car payment is insane. That means somebody was having a car that was beyond their means, that goes back to money is now your master yeah. because you've got to pay that. yeah. And what happens is, unfortunately, so many people see what other people have and they want it and they're willing to go in debt to get it. Same thing with school, school debt. A lot of this school debt is not just books and for their education, they borrow that for other things. yeah. And that's how that debt grows. And so I would encourage you, you know if you have to take on debt take on the smallest amount you can take and that way it's easier to get out of because one day you have to pay
0: yeah i think um i actually was having a conversation with someone and i was like i was under the impression this is a while ago but um if i'm going to be spending a lot of money on something like say buying a macbook i might as well get what i want with all the extra bells and whistles Then, um, then just buy what I need. And we talked about this in our last episode of like, um, what I need and what I want. And what I've learned is it's okay to have wants, but it's not okay to be privy to just your wants all the time.
1: And and that's where that car payment gets up to $700 because you're sitting there with the guy who's trying to sell you the car or the, or the lady. And they keep saying, Oh, but if you just go a little bit more, you could get this and then you could get a new car. And it's gonna have a warranty, and this and that, and you're thinking, "Oh, that sounds great." And before you know it, what you needed was transportation,
2: and what you've got is something you can't afford. Yeah, well, I like that. What happens when people go in to buy a car? This will be a separate podcast, but what they find, what they want to find out from you is, what kind of payment do you want? Yep, yeah. That's and right. That is, that is a deadly way to approach it, That's because exactly. once you say to them, "I want my payment to be four fifty a month." They're going to put you in a car where the payment is uh, five thirty-five a month, and you're thinking, eh, that's a little more than what I wanted," but yeah. and and now you're in debt far more than you intended when yep. you walked in the door. But I'm not one who's all against debt. It can be useful, and Keith, you know, Keith yeah. knows from his finance classes at Auburn University. But more likely, debt will kill you yeah. financially. When you take on debt, you are spending your future earnings in advance and that's Mm -hmm. very dangerous. And one thing I'm gonna hit on that you
1: didn't mention is credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Credit card debt is off the chart. The rates that they charge, you can't charge that anywhere else, but you can on a credit card. Yeah. And people will think, Well, I really want this and I I need it now and you realize what that's gonna cost you later on. So just to throw that out there, that can just make that debt just grow exponentially.
0: I'm glad you did bring it up because I feel like credit cards are marketed to college students. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course they are. The minute I remember the minute I started going to college, like I was getting so many credit card offers in the mail.
1: Oh, I remember when even long ago, when I went to school at Auburn, uh, there would be people set up on the concourse and you can get a free auburn t-shirt if you sign up for this credit card or we'll get you this if you sign up for this credit card and everybody's signing up because they know if they get you hooked in they've got you
0: they did um i remember my freshman year uh, we talked about a little bit but my freshman year i got a credit card and i maxed it out and i ended up buying things that i did not need and um it took me forever to pay it off like yeah. I, I was like, oh, I can just pay $25 a month and mm-hmm. that'll be totally fine. I could pay it off. And then next thing you know, it's maxed out and $25 isn't paying off the thousands no. of dollars that I have on this card. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally made the decision to like focus on getting rid of my credit card. But like that took years and yeah. that took a lot of sacrifices Yes, um, to pay that off. Because like you said, it's been spending your future earnings. And I did for three years. I spent all my future earnings for those three years. Dedicated to paying off that credit card that I, I took out. Right. And that's really good. Thank you right. for that.
2: <laughs> um, and then, too, Chelsea, if I could just, you mentioned college, car, and house. If I could just, just say a word about each one of those. You know, college, I think, you know, it would be nice if most people could go. Um, I think, and again, this is a separate podcast, which I would love to be a part of. I think you get a better education at community college. Okay. than you do at an ivy league school mm-hmm. and you know we can get into the reasons for that another time but it's just an opinion i hold no i i hear you and okay. i agree and and also the trades and the military yes are quite lucrative decisions now especially the trades yeah and i have this conversation with young adults all the time uh you know i, I talked to some young adults that they're just stuck mm-hmm. okay So I mentioned to them, well, maybe you could go to trade school and in a couple of years you could be an electrician or a plumber. Well, no, I don't really want to be crawling around on the floor in somebody's bathroom fixing their pipes. Um, Okay, well, maybe you'd want to go into the military. Well, no, I don't want to leave home. I don't want somebody (laughs) yelling at me. Well... Okay, well, fine. We'll just get happy with where you are then. But you have to make some kind of concession and change in your life to get to where you, you right. want to be. And I think that that college, it's in theory, it's nice if everyone could go, but it is extremely expensive. Yeah. Okay. And even more so now. When, yeah. when I went to college, it cost me $1,800 for the entire year that was tuition dormitory and meal ticket wow it was eighteen hundred dollars for the end and i'm just i mean i have kids so i know what college costs it just blows me away what college costs now but there are other options and they're good options right
0: we've grown up as children and like we've always been hurried on to the next the next thing and so like we get into elementary school what's the next step middle school what's the next step all right we're going to high school Mm -hmm. and then you get high school you turn 18 and like there's you are pretty much like we feel like thrown to the wolves where you're 18 and it's like the world's your oyster go and you're like well what do I do and then the next you know advertised thing to us is college and like we were talking about how like we sometimes feel like the trades you know not going to college is not like kind of looked down upon like if you don't have a degree you're not going to get a job and, um, but I think it's kind of taken a little bit of shift because I personally, when I graduated high school, I did go to college for a little bit, but then I stopped and I, um, I went into a trade. I went to pharmacy right? and it was something where I could just walk off the street and learn how to do in the job that I was doing. And they paid for me to get the certifications that I needed. And I'm now making a lot more money than people who have degrees around That's me. Right. And now because I did that, I'm able to save a lot of my money and pay for my school I mean, it's still a struggle because, you know, I struggle with budgeting sometimes, but it has been a lot easier that well, way. Well, and
1: here's the thing, too. I can tell you there's a lot of people getting degrees that they never use. Yeah. yeah. Because they don't know what they want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my suggestion to people is make sure you know what you want to do and make sure the degree you're trying to get will enable you to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Because degrees are very expensive mm-hmm. and... Pastor Ken is right. I mean, if you can find a trade and get involved in that, it's amazing what you can make income-wise. But again, I think it boils down to doing what you enjoy doing and finding that out. Because you can make all the money in the world. If you don't
2: enjoy what you're doing, you're going to be miserable. Well, but, and, and I don't disagree with that. However... If you're doing something you like and you're not making a decent living at it, you you, you come to resent it. Sometimes you do something you're not crazy about. Okay, you know, for instance, you know, I've had septic tank problems in the past. The guy rolls up out there in this truck, digs a little hole in my backyard, sucks the poop out of my septic tank, (laughs) and says, that'll be $1,200, please. Wow. And he probably does four or five of those a day. Yeah. And so that's nobody's dream job.
1: It's kind of a crappy job right you're, you're exactly
2: <laughs> right you couldn't go wrong with that comment but I mean if you did that if you did that four days a week you'd have an extremely good living right yeah. you would you would never run out of work and it would be you would have a, you would have purchased a very nice lifestyle for yourself right. by what you invest your time doing. That's nobody's dream job, but you can make very good money doing it. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: And I, I think to that like, um I was when you were talking about that I was thinking, you know, like work is still work. Like mm-hmm. there you go. Yep.
1: <laughs> and I'm glad you said that because unfortunately there's a lot of people out there that aren't willing to work. Mm-hmm. You know, to get what you think you want or deserve or whatever, yeah. you've got to put in the work and even once you get a job, you continue to have to work and to grow and to get better in your field yeah uh, because that's the way
2: life works yeah well that's right and and I think we do a disservice to young people and young adults by saying oh you just need to find what your passion is and just right and just do it. well, you know you might just, go to school to be a life insurance actuary and crank out actuarial numbers all day long and be bored to tears and make $130,000 a year and have fantastic benefits. Right. So it it may not be the thing that you would would do as a hobby. Right. But as Chelsea points out, work is work. You're paid to do this. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're paid to show up and do it. And it's not always fun. But, you know, adulting is just doing a bunch of stuff you don't want to do all day
0: long. 100%.
2: (laughs) Well, and let me tell you something, too. My dad told me this a long
1: time ago. He said, Keith, whatever you do, be the best at it. Mm -hmm. Do it to the best of your ability. If you are sweeping floors, be the best floor sweeper there is. Um, I'll never forget, I had a college job. Ken, you'll get a kick out of this. (laughs) I was working at a bakery, and my job was to clean it up. And we would go on top of these ovens and mop these ovens and it had flour everywhere. I'd come home, I'd had it caked on me, but my dad said, Keith, be the best one. And what was so cool is it paid really well because I was a college student, but at the end of the summer, they kept me on an additional two weeks because I worked hard and it pays off and people notice when you give your very best. So whatever it is, whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability.
2: Yeah, And if I can just uh, attach onto that uh, almost unrelated topic, but if you are a Christian in the workplace, you should be the best worker. That's right. All right. So I went to seminary in Memphis. It's where uh, FedEx is. FedEx would hire every seminary guy who walked in the door <laughs> because they knew that those guys were. Would be hard workers. Right. Because they were Christians. Wow. And because they weren't there to just take from the company what they could, but they were there to make an honest contribution to the company. That's good.
0: That's good.
1: And that's the way we should all be.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm really grateful for, you know, Cascade Hills and the pastors because, like, we hear things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, we get to hear, like, you know, do the best that you can where you are. And that was something, like, I think that's a perspective like regardless of like if you do or don't like your job as long as you're doing something honoring God in it like you shouldn't be as unhappy as you are because like you're still doing God's work and that's something it takes a long it took me a minute to like really understand and change my perspective in a place that I didn't like but then when I changed that like you could see changes happen it's a ripple effect of like changing your perspective and changing your attitude about something it It changes your whole outlook on your life and your Mm -hmm. job and everything like that
1: And you know what's so funny about that? And this is going to be just blunt, honest, but at the end of the day, you're getting paid for that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're doing, they're giving you money because of the service you're giving them. Yeah. And so many times I think we forget that and we think we're entitled to things Mm -hmm. rather than realizing you signed up to do this, to get this money.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, What does the Bible say about money? A lot of people think that money is the root of all evil, but it's the verse, the The love love of money is the root of all evil. So um, can we get your perspective on those um, three topics as well as kind of define them? Because I know some people who, you know, go to church, they know what a tithe is and everything like that. But there will be some people who may not know what a tithe is. And I just kind of want to define that and explain why we do that as Christians. Yeah,
2: well, so first, you know, money is a tool that we can yep. use to glorify God. And I know that you have to buy milk and bread and pay your light bill and whatever. There are real life things you have to do, but every dime you spend, you should spend to God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever notice how just squandering your money just kind of leaves you with an empty feeling?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, you, you do that, and it's supposed to bring you happiness, and it never does. Yeah, it's just temporary. Right. Yeah. E- even if even if that. Yeah. I mean, you, you you may you may feel good for a little bit and then don't. Sometimes you just never do. But yet, when you do worthwhile things with your money, you just feel better about it. And it's not all about how you feel, but you know that you're doing right. Yeah. Uh, when you do that. And and Pastor Ken, I don't remember how many times
1: the Bible talks about money, uh, but it's numerous times. And the reason, and and Jesus spoke on it, because he knew that that's going to be a hang-up for so many of us. Yeah. Because we believe, well, I did something, and I should be able to hold on to it. And I think we talked about that early on. It's not holding on to it. It's open your hands and saying, God, how can you use what I've been given? Yeah. I want to give to you. And, you know, it's interesting. Earlier on, we talked about people saying, well, you know, why should we give it to God and all this? How many of those same people ever ask? Well, why do we have to give to the government?
0: Mm. They don't
1: think twice about the government taking out, and they take out a whole lot more than ten percent. Yeah, that's for sure. They don't think twice about that. But when God says, "Hey, I want to give you to give me ten percent," they balk at that. And and the thing is, God doesn't need our money. Yeah, He wants your heart. Mm. And so many times, what you said with that verse is, it's not. Money is the love of money. Yeah. And God's looking at your heart to see, does he have everything from you?
0: I love that. I also love that you brought up the government because um, I recently was came to the understanding of um, God wants us to do, to give our first fruits. And so I previously was um, giving my tithe out of my net income. So when mm-hmm. it hit my bank account, whatever, 10% of what hit my bank account was going to the Lord. And I recently spoke to someone who I value as a mentor and she was like, how do you tithe? And I was like, Oh, well when I get my money coming in my bank account, it says 400 something dollars. i tithe 40 of it to the Lord. And she was like something that was a game changer for me as a Christian. And, um, all that was looking and not doing my net payment, but doing my gross payment. Mm-hmm. What I got before I got taxed before the insurance came out and all of that. And she was like, that was because the Bible says the first fruits. So um, can you give a little bit more insight on that? Because this is something I recently learned, and I just, you know, someone well, it who...
2: Would, it would be hard to give more insight on it than you just gave. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head. And, I mean, I might add to that, well, what is it that you want blessed, your net income or your gross income? <laughs> mm. That's pretty I would, good. I would ask <laughs> that. But, but I think that, that you're 100% accurate. That it's from your first roots. It's not after you take out... Um, Your federal taxes, your FICA, your state taxes, (laughs) uh, United Way, health insurance, and everything else. uh, But, yeah, but it's on your first roots.
0: I love that. Thank you. Um, What is the difference between tithes and offerings? Because you always hear them together, and so people lump them together. But there is a difference between the two.
1: Yeah. And the tithe is, uh, tithe means a tenth. And so 10% of what you give, you give it to God. You bring it to the storehouse, which is our local church um, and so many times I, I hear this all the time oh, why does the church need our money the church doesn't need your money mm-hmm. what the church does is it takes the money to reach other people uh, you know Cascade Hills is a great example of this what we do in missions and what we do all around the world here locally the people that come to know Christ is because we're able to take that money and to use it for God's good and so that's that's the type. An offering is anything above that. You know, when you see somebody in need and you say, hey, I'm going to help meet that need, that's an offering. So That's true.
2: You, um, a, a tenth of your gross should go to your local church, and then you can give to other entities beyond that, which I do, yeah. but that's only after I've given the, the tenth to the church. And, you know, People, there's never been a time when this didn't happen. People gave to God all the way back to Cain and Abel. Yeah, that's Uh, right. Noah did it. Yeah. Abraham did it. And of course, this was codified in the law. And then Jesus said we should do it in Matthew 23 when he was saying, well, you know, you tithe your mint and whatever out uh, out of the garden, and you should do that. Yeah. Um, and of course this is echoed by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 but but the tithe is given to the local church and it's okay to give to other things I do yeah. but God's plan is for the tithe to go to the local church God's design has always been for people to worship at a central place you know first there was a tabernacle that moved around but eventually God said okay it's time to build a temple and when he, when the temple was built, God told His people, "When you conquer these pagan nations, you go tear down their high places." It was a mark of pagans to have all these places to worship in every little nook and cranny, huh. and, and and it was idolatry. And yeah. so God said, "Tear that down. You come to the to the temple uh, to worship." Uh, so I think it's wrong to say, "Well." I don't tithe in my church because I give to United Way or I give to some mission organization or some parachurch organization.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. On the topic of ties and offerings, I, ha- I had a conversation with another one of my friends and I was talking about ties and offerings and the difference between the two. But also, do you think like offerings could be um, like offering your time, offering your gifts instead of like offering money? Of
1: course, you can always give your time, and that is a type of offering. But, you know, uh, it's always interesting. I, I hear people say this all the time. Well, I don't have enough money. The question would be, do you know where it's going? Mm. Because a lot of times that people who say that, they're at Starbucks five times a week. Mm. And you're like, wait a minute. You just said you didn't have any money, but you're going to Starbucks five days a week. Yeah. So... It's what you value most is where your money's going to go. And so, unfortunately, a lot of people, their value is on other things. It's not on
2: God. And then they say, well, I don't have anything.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah, well, yeah you have
2: to do a little self-reflection. And, and so in Chelsea's scenario, you have a person who feels like they don't have a lot of money. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, well, why don't I have a lot of money? Or is it is it because I've not positioned myself to be blessed by God mm. and I'll tell you another thing if you get if you get a hundred dollar paycheck and you tithe ten dollars to me in my experience that's been easier than getting a ten thousand dollar paycheck yeah. and tithing a thousand dollars right it, it, it the the feeling the sentiment that you're describing, Chelsea, never goes away. Right. Gotcha. You always no matter how if, much you if you, have. If you mm-hmm. get if you get a million dollar payday and then you realize oh wow a million dollars oh but wait I need to give a hundred thousand of it to my church that's that's a huge right and and so I maintain that if you don't if you can't give the ten out of the hundred you're really going to choke on giving the the ten thousand out of the hundred thousand.
1: And again, it comes back to the heart. Yeah. And what's most important?
0: Yeah, I love that. And last question about tithing: um, If I don't tithe, does it mean that I don't trust God?
2: I'd say the short answer to that is yes. Yeah. Because you, you're, and you know, God Himself said this is in Malachi chapter three when He said, you know, y'all are God said y'all are robbing me, and they said, what? What do you mean? How are we robbing you? And God offered one example in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room, uh, not not enough uh, room to store it. So when you don't tithe, you're saying, well, you know, I'm reading this in Malachi chapter three, but I don't believe God. I don't believe it. I just don't believe you can do that. So is it a failure to trust God when you don't tithe? Yes, it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and I love that part where
1: God says, test me. Mm -hmm. Where else in the Bible is God saying, hey, test me on this? Yeah. And so what he's saying is, look, I've got all this for you. I've got my hands open. But the only way you can receive it is you've got to open your hands and give that little thing that I've given to you so I can bless you more. So my question would be, do you want to be blessed?
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, um, moving on into the second aspect of like money, because like we kind of talked about it with tithes and offerings and offering our time, um, as well, but, um, what does the Bible say about giving to the poor and homeless? And how should we go about that today in society? I know we talked a little bit about donating to United Health and, and United Way and stuff like that. But um, could you give us a little bit more of a like current situation of how we should do that properly and uh, biblically?
2: Well, um, th- there were times, and I'm thinking about in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talked about this and he talks about it. And he says, when you give to the needy. He assumes you're going to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't if; it's when. So, I think that we have a biblical mandate to do that. I think that our current society's kind of got us spun around a little bit because the government does so much of that right. that that the church is almost put at a disadvantage to try to do it, and our and our taxes you pay taxes to do that and so I think a lot of people are just thinking well you know the government's got that why should we do it but the reality is that the church does it much more efficiently and more effectively yes. than uh, than than the government uh, ever could we've had a war on poverty now for 60 years and best I can tell we're still losing that war on poverty <laughs> yeah um, and, and, and even Jesus said the poor will always be with us right. but Having said all that, I do think that um, that churches and Christians individually are under a mandate that, that we should be helping the poor. And I think that it's, you know, of course, obviously it's a good thing to do. And plus, it's a testimony to the lost world that you know, we're just not sitting around here thinking about how good we are, which is what a lot of people's perception of church is. We're just not sitting around here thinking about how good we are. We really do love people and we really do want to affect positive change in people's lives. And you know, it is it is difficult and I'm thinking more about other parts of the world, it is difficult to share the gospel with people when their navel's gnawing on their backbone. You know, you have to you have to yeah. get people in some kind of physical spot to be able to hear and respond to the gospel.
1: Well, and you think about this, Pastor Ken, whenever Jesus met a need he first met the need, and then he met the spiritual need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got to meet people where mm-hmm. they are. And I would encourage you, when you see a need, if God lays it on your heart, meet that need. And it's not always going to be the most convenient time. And yeah. it can be something as simple as changing a tire for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you see a need, meet it. Right.
0: I love that. I also, um, while we were talking about this and I asked this question, what came to mind was... Um, in today's society i know a lot of people struggle when they see someone on the side of the road with a sign that says homeless and Mm -hmm. you know they're asking for money because it's been you know revealed through different social medias and on tv shows of how like some people who do that they like make a living off of that instead of like you know getting a job while there are people out there who really do struggle getting a job and you know getting access to have the means to do that but people they're more likely to not give to someone because they feel like they're going to use it incorrectly. And, right. um, I mean, personally, I've had that same experience and I wanted to see y'all's opinions on it. Cause, um, I've been told in the past, like what you do ver- versus what they do is two different things. And it's not your job to assume what they're going to do. Your job is to meet that need. If you see it, like you said, and if they choose to do something bad with it, that's their decision. Right. But, um, how would, how would you recommend, like, giving to people in today's society um, when it, me you know, seeing someone on the side of the street? Would you still recommend giving them that, like, giving them cash, or would you offer a different solution to that?
1: I think it boils down to, again, if God puts it on your heart to do it, do it. Um, because, again, we don't know. You know, I've been right. in ministry for a long time now, and I have <laughs> been burned with this one many, many times. And realize, somebody come back and say, hey, this is somebody who's a con. They've been doing this for years, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, if God puts it on your heart, it doesn't matter. You know, you can give them that money and say, I want you to know something. God loves you. And maybe it's that seed that's planted in them that will spark something. Hmm. You know, but to me, the thing is, is God telling you to do it? Not mm-hmm. just I feel guilty because I see somebody here with a sign in there, they got a kid with them or whatever. It's not that. It's did God tell you to do it? If God that. tells you to do it, then you do it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I agree with that a hundred percent. Some people are are adamant that we should always give, and maybe that's where they are with God. Yeah. and that's fine. Uh, I generally don't. I do. Right. I do have plenty of occasions because of what I do here at Cascade Hills to offer solutions to people. And you know, it's amazing how many times people in need turn down solutions other than cash. They want cash, the end. But when they say, well, you know, I'm staying in a hotel, but I'm getting kicked out today. I need money to stay in the hotel. Well, I'll tell you what. We can take you down to Valley Rescue Mission. They will give you a nice multi-room apartment. I have to tell you, I was blown away how nice those places are down there. Right. I mean, no Taj Mahal, but I was surprised. I was picturing something like an army barracks. No, it's <laughs> very nice down there. Okay, we can take you down there with your kids. They'll they'll feed you. They'll give you job training. They'll clothe you. They'll do. A, no, I just want cash for my hotel. Yeah. Well, that that's just not that that's not an answer to anything. Right. And so. And just as Keith says, I've been burned on this so many times. I'm not hardened to it, but I am shrewd about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, to the point, Chelsea, that, well, you should just always do this. I think that's fine if you have an unlimited source of funds, but you just have so much money. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give it to somebody that you're not sure how they're going to spend that? Or you're even questioning whether or not they really even need it now i don't think we should be hard-hearted and yes there's times that, that i do this but you just have to be shrewd and you really have to be in tune with what god would have you to do and no there are other solutions there are other pla- if somebody right. says they're hungry there are places we can send them for that if they don't have a place to stay there are places we can send them for that. Right. so there are solutions that can get people through what they present as their problem
0: right? I love that well before we go um, can you provide us in a personal experience where God has opened your eyes of the importance of trusting him with your money whether it be in debt or tithing or giving just um, anything that you personally think would bless someone who's listening to this
1: oh yeah I can give you an example that happened to me when I was at seminary Um, you know I was going to Southwestern Seminary getting my master's degree I was married. My wife was getting her master's degree. So we didn't have a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll never forget, I was driving an old Chevrolet Beretta. Mm -hmm. And the, oh, it was was Sherry's car. It wasn't mine. It was my wife's car. (laughs) Even worse. And the water pump went out on it.
0: Oh, no.
1: Now, I had never changed a water pump in all my life. I knew I couldn't take it to a mechanic. So I had a buddy of mine who was at seminary. I said, have you ever changed a water pump? He said, no. He said, have you? I said, no. He said, you think we can do it? I said, I don't know. (laughs) So I go to AutoZone. It was 100 and something bucks to get a water pump. We take three hours to get it off, three hours to get it on. Well, when we finish, I know God was speaking to me. He said, you need to buy them dinner. Now, the problem is, I knew we didn't have any money in the bank account. And I'm thinking, God, how am I going to do this? He said, you need to buy them dinner. And so I said, okay, look. Y'all meet us at our house. We're going to go by Boston Market. You know, I know there used to be some Boston Markets around here. I don't know if they're still here in Columbus, but we go in Boston Market. My wife's sitting in the car. I walk in, and I said, hey, I'd like the family meal. You know, they give you the chicken and the sides and everything. Well, the lady goes to ring it up, and she can't get it to ring up. And she does it again. She can't get it to ring up. She calls her manager, and she said, listen, we're about to close. You just take it. Mm. And I I had this shocked look on my face And I walked out to the car And my wife turned to me She said what's wrong And I said you're not going to believe this I said this lady gave me this Well she's breaking down crying I'm crying You know because at the time You know that meal that was 20 something dollars We didn't have But
0: Mm -hmm. God said
1: if you just are obedient to me I can take care of things And do things that you never would have thought of yeah. And that's what he did. And so that's kind of a personal example for me, you know, that that I experience
2: and I don't know
1: if that's exactly what you're
0: looking no, for that's but perfect, exactly what we're looking for.
2: Well, my wife and I were talking about this just last night. You know, in First Kings chapter seventeen there's a, a story about Elijah, he meets a widow and the widows he asks the widow to make some food for him and she says, Well, I've got just a little flour and a little oil left. I was just going to make some, some, uh, hoe cakes for yeah. my son and I, and then we were just going to just lie down and die. And uh, Elijah said, well, you know, make me some food. So she scoops the flour out and there's a little bit of flour left and she goes back the next day and scoops a little. And there's a little, there's always just a little, no matter how much she scoops out, there's always a little bit of flour left. Well. That is very biographical for me. Uh, that's just how it's always been for us. We just never seem to run out. You just think you're at the very end yeah. and, and God provides something. Now, you know, similar, I'm sure, to your situation, I had a good job that I quit. I took my pregnant wife and we left to go to seminary. And, you know, it all worked out great. It yeah. worked out better than if we had just stayed where we were. In our house and and, uh, with our jobs and everything. Just whatever God calls you to do, God provides. And God's not trying to figure out if you're faithful or not. He's trying to help you to see how faithful you are and how your faithfulness is is rewarded. Mm -hmm. And that certainly extends to money. Well, I'm
1: sure glad you made that move because we wouldn't have known you otherwise. That's a good thing. (laughs) Me too. I know.
0: Well, thank both of you guys for being here on the podcast. Um, I hope that someone is able to hear this and to receive something from this podcast. I know I personally did. And um, this is just a blessing, all of it, this whole situation for me. So I appreciate you guys for being here. Thank everyone who's listening today. I hope that you're able to take something from this podcast and apply it to your life. And through that application, you're able to see the blessings of God and see the, um, the love and mercy of God in all of it. So thank you guys. We'll see you guys on the next episode. And I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hills College podcast. For more information about our ministry, follow us on
1: Instagram at the Hills College and feel free to DM us with any thoughts or questions. Tune in next time so we can chat some more, but until then, go be the church for the unchurched.